John chapter 11, beginning in verse 17. The Holy Spirit says to us, through the Apostle John, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and she went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary quickly rise and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And when he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always, and I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. At Christmas time, I made a joke earlier that it feels like Christmas, but it's, it's not Christmas, it's Easter. Um, at Christmas time, we got a dog, which was a really exciting thing. She's a lovely, lovely dog. Um, her name is Balloons. One of our three-year-olds named her Balloons, which is, which is a, a great dog name, I think, at least. But 
that we got a dog, and so you can imagine that there was a lot of Googling that happened about, uh, about dogs around that time, and even to this day as she's kind of progressed through puppyhood. Um, and so, you know, when you Google things, someone out there in the internet realm is looking at you Googling things, and that's probably not exactly how it works, but I don't know how it works, so that's what I'm going to say. So um, someone out there, and then, and then all of a sudden in your like, social media accounts, you start to see things pop up about what you've googled recently um and a lot of dog instagram accounts then have popped up on my page um and i'm thinking to myself why why is this happening well because i've googled all of these dog things but there's a very interesting thing that came across my instagram account just yesterday and it was uh it was this woman who was speaking to a dog who was clearly an older dog um and she was saying to the dog something a lot to the effect of 2.8 million people rely on you for emotional support. Therefore, you need to live forever. Now, that's an interesting thing to say to a dog, I would think. I love our dog. Our dog is wonderful. But to say to our dog, you need to live forever because 2.8 million people on the internet somewhere rely on you for emotional support um, might be putting a little bit too much pressure on that dog. I want to start this morning by saying something to you that you may have heard, but maybe haven't heard. Something very important. If you're a member or attender here at Buffalo City Church, you've probably heard me say this before, or heard this said at least by someone here. But maybe if you're a visitor this morning and you haven't been to church in quite some time, this is something that you haven't heard or maybe just heard very infrequently. Here's what I'm going to say. Jesus is real. Jesus is real. Now, maybe you don't have any problems with that statement. That's okay. Um, maybe you say, no, Jesus exists, and that's, that's fine. I, I can get my head around that notion. I'm fine with you saying Jesus is real. But I want to say to you that this big chunk of Scripture that I just read out of John's Gospel, a story that may or may not be familiar to you, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, this chunk of text assumes that you believe that Jesus exists. And when it is telling us that Jesus is real, it's telling us something far deeper than just that he exists. The Holy Spirit is telling us through this text that Jesus is real. And in fact, he's the one who defines reality. He doesn't just, he didn't just walk the earth and live 2,000 years ago and then go away and do something else or just die like every other person. Jesus exists right now and he is real right now and he is so real that his existence defines our reality. People put Jesus on trial. We do this regularly. We argue for or against his... You turn on the History Channel, you'll probably see something wild like this. But something who's arguing for the existence or against the existence of Jesus. But Jesus doesn't need us to prove that he exists. He doesn't need us to prove that he is real. In fact, when it comes to this conversation, we have to lay our hands on our mouth and understand that apart from Jesus, this reality, everything that we see around us this morning would not exist. Jesus is real because without him, there is no reality. 
But there's something further that this text teaches us. There's something further that gives us hope in this passage. It doesn't end just at existence in the definition of reality. Jesus is real. He fully and truly is God and he fully and truly is man. And during his time on earth, Jesus experienced relationships. He experienced emotions. He experienced the up and downs and the ebbs and flows of life. David, King David, Israel's greatest king who lived like a thousand years before Jesus walked the earth. He wrote in Psalm 103. He said, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. When David wrote that, he believed that God as a father showed compassion to his children. And he remembers the frame of created men and women. But now we have a fuller glimpse as to how, how God shows compassion to us as his children. How God shows compassion to us as those who fear him. God knows us intimately because he created us, yes. But also because Jesus Christ took on a frame like ours. Jesus Christ is one with the Father. And God the Father shows us compassion because of Jesus Christ. Sometime in my youth, someone came up with this phrase. Um, it doesn't get used very often. Uh, someone keep it real is what people said. It, it was an idea that my generation has held on to pretty tightly, although no one really ever says that. But we hold on to these ideas of being our authentic self or, or, uh, or just being honest and genuine person. And there's one person that that worked for <laughs> because of who he is, and it's Jesus. Jesus is real. And when we come to today, Resurrection Sunday, we're celebrating the reality. We're celebrating the reality that Jesus is alive. A real person who understands us. He's compassionate. He's kind. He's courageous. He's overflowing with love for his own. What Jesus is, is the real expression of all of that. The emotion, the character qualities. Jesus is the realest human ever. And Jesus is the realest human right now. And not just 2,000 years ago, but Resurrection Sunday means that Jesus is real right now. Alive. And that's who we're here to worship. That's who we're here to say, He is risen indeed. And we're here to have our faith strengthened by the fact that the grave could not hold Him. We're here to have our belief bolstered by the reality that Jesus is here with us now and knows us, everything about us. We're here to know Jesus more fully together. With that said, I want to consider this text together with you. So I hope that you have it open in front of you, either on your phone or in your Bible. And I want you to notice a handful of things with me in this text. But beforehand, I, I just said something that I, want, I don't want to move on from too quickly. 
that we are here every time that we gather, not just on Easter Sunday, but every time that we gather together as a church, we gather to have our faith deepened, to have our belief bolstered in the person of Jesus Christ who longs for us to know him more intimately. We use the word faith a lot in our culture, but oftentimes it gets it doesn't get defined. It just kind of gets tossed out there as something that we have or something that we possess. But if we were pressed to define what makes up our faith or what gives us hope in this life, we may not be able to articulate it very well. Faith is what is needed to know that Jesus is real. Real in the sense that he defines reality. So if you've heard the word faith and you want to know more, think about it as a root system. Think about it as a root system, the thing that grounds us and keeps us from being uprooted by wind and by storms. When I say faith, I mean belief in that Jesus is who he claims to be in the Bible. Right in the center of this passage that I read a few moments ago, Jesus makes this statement. He says, I am the resurrection in the life. This is one of seven statements, similar statements, that Jesus makes in John's gospel about who he is. And he is claiming in those moments to be God, but he's also claiming that we can trust him, that we can believe in him. And again, not just believe that he exists, but believe that he is the realest human to ever have walked the earth and the one that can give us life. He claims to be all-satisfying when he says, I am the bread of life. He claims to be the redeemer, the one who can buy us back from sin and death, the light of the world. He says, I am the door of the sheep, and he's the only one who gives us access to God the Father. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. He is our eternal protector. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. The only way to know God the Father is through him. Jesus says, I am the true vine. He is the only way to have true life because he is the source of life. And then in our text this morning, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is saying that in him, death will no longer reign over us. As a source of life, even the dead who are in him will rise again. And his actions here in raising Lazarus at the end of our passage, in raising Lazarus, acted as a foreshadowing of his own resurrection. Lazarus would come out of the grave, but he would go back in someday. Jesus came out of the grave and he'll never go back in. Because in his resurrection, death is defeated. So our faith is like a root system. We need to hear these things with regularity. We need to see them clearly in our Bibles so that our faith might be grown. It needs to be watered. Our faith needs to be fed. It can't be neglected. It cannot be neglected. The whole plant or tree is dependent upon the root system. And without a good root system, it becomes diseased or it dies or it becomes uprooted. So the Apostle John writes this whole gospel, this whole book, all 21 chapters of this gospel to us so that our faith might be deepened. And he says this, he sets this out as his goal. He says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. This is at the end of his gospel. 
But these are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. So what we find here in this text is a remarkable event. It's a remarkable event that should not be ignored. Jesus performing a miracle, raising Lazarus from the dead for the purpose of watering and feeding our faith so that our root system might be deepened and strengthened and we might know more fully that Jesus is real, that Jesus is God, that he is alive and that he is ruling and reigning at the Father's right hand even at this very moment. And even the framing in this passage, the lead up into Jesus telling Lazarus to come out of the tomb. Our faith is meant to be strengthened and deepened. Because when we learn more about Jesus' character, we become more convinced that he is real, that he is alive, that he is for us, and that we can trust him. So I just want to make a couple of observations out of this text. Three, actually. Three observations out of this text for you to think about and chew on based on what is written here. The first thing I want you to know is that Jesus wants us to know him more. Jesus, I want to say this to you this morning. Jesus wants you to know him more. There is not a man, woman, boy, or girl in this place that Jesus is not saying, come know me more. Come know me more fully. My word stands before you. It's on your lap. It's on your phone. It's on the table. It's before you this morning. Come know me more intimately. Jesus wants us to know him more and he invites us to do so in this passage. So Lazarus had died four days earlier and Jesus is now on his way across the Jordan River to Bethany. If you were with us last week, we talked about this. Jesus was out in the wilderness on the on the east side of the Jordan River, and then he comes across the Jordan River to Bethany, which is close to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is teeming with people who want Jesus dead. They want him to die. And there were many Jews, we're told in this text, who came to Martha and Mary to console them when they had heard about Lazarus' death. Lazarus was their brother. And so, among that group of people who came To Bethany, uh, from Jerusalem, there were many who wanted Jesus dead. And so that's why Martha goes out of the house and intercepts Jesus when he's on his way. Right? In verse 20. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. She goes and intercepts him. And she says something to Jesus. And her sister Mary's going to say it again in verse 32. They say it word for word. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now there's faith in that statement. There's faith in her statement. She knew that Jesus could heal her brother. She knew that Jesus could have healed her brother. There's faith there, but it needs to be deepened. Her root system needs to go further into the ground. It needs to be strengthened as she grows up in the Lord. Martha and Mary knew that Jesus could heal the sick. And they knew where Jesus was when Lazarus got sick. They they sent word to him. So they knew where he was. 
It was across the Jordan. They sent word to him about Lazarus's condition. And yet, he takes his sweet time in arriving. It takes him four days. He's been dead. Lazarus has been dead for four days. The sisters believed that Jesus could heal Lazarus and would have, but in their mind, he arrived too late. He arrived too late. But Jesus wants his friends to know him more. Who is Jesus? If you had asked this question to Mary and Martha before this event, if you had asked this question to them, who is Jesus? They would say, the one who heals the sick. But here's some new information for his friends and for his disciples. Jesus can do more. He can raise the dead. So Jesus says to Martha in verse 23, your brother will rise again. Now Martha knew about the resurrection and believed that it was a real event to happen in the near future. And so she was prepared to say, in the end, Lazarus will in fact rise again. Yep, Jesus, I know. But it doesn't seem to cross her mind that Jesus meant right now. It doesn't seem to cross her mind that Jesus could actually make this happen in the next few moments. And so Jesus reveals to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Now note note this, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He's not, she says, I know that it will happen in the last day. And Jesus says, it's not not an event, it's, it's, it's me. This is me. The resurrection isn't an event in the future. The resurrection is Jesus Christ. Jesus is life itself. He is the source of all life. Jesus wants Martha to know him more. She, she, he wants her to know. He wants her faith to be deepened. From the one who can heal the sick to the one who can raise the dead. He's feeding that faith root system. And this is how Jesus grows our faith too. This is what he does for us. Maybe you've been a Christian for a short amount of time, a year, less than a year. Your faith is it's in early stages. You're, you're still a Christian. You're a follower of Jesus. But your faith is, is in its early stages. Maybe you've been a Christian, for several decades, and your faith is well established. That root system is firm and in place. Your faith is mature and it's developed. And those doubts that you had early, that you worked through and thought about and heard from Jesus and his word about, you've learned to trust God more and more. And where those doubts once were, you see beautiful fruit flourishing on the tree. But Jesus, know, he knows where you are. He knows where, you, he knew exactly where Martha was in her faith. And he brought her along slowly and carefully, tending to that root system. Martha's faith had grown as she talked with Jesus, as she'd listened to Jesus in the past, as she'd watched Jesus perform miracles. And now in the wake of the death of her brother, Jesus wants Martha to know more, to trust him more. Because everything that has life and everything that lives does so because of Jesus. And he wants to drive that home in Martha and in us. Jesus says it like this, 
Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So Jesus wants us to know him more. Secondly, though, Jesus wants us to believe that he knows us. That he knows us. That he is engaged with us at every moment. In verse 36, you know this, this is the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Just two simple words. Jesus, Jesus wept. And although it's small, it should not be disregarded because it is. It's, it's, although it's small, it points us to understand Jesus more. You, everyone in this room likely knows what it's like to lose a loved one. Someone who you're intimate with. Someone who you've been close with. A friend or a family member. It's painful and the grief can be overwhelming. Friends, this is where we started this morning. Jesus is real and he understands everything that you have and will go through. Jesus wept just like you have. We're told that Lazarus is Jesus' close friend. Verse 5 tells us that he loved this family. Not only did he have friends who died, but Jesus knows your loved ones who have passed away, and he knows them more intimately than you have. He created them. He sustains them. He died for them. Friends, Jesus is real. He experiences your brokenheartedness along with you. Your your brokenheartedness is imperfect. Jesus, his brokenheartedness is perfect. He feels it perfectly for these ones who have suffered at the hands of death and sin. Everything that Jesus is and does is the perfect expression of that thing. Whatever you go and do for the rest of the day today, know that Jesus is the perfect expression of that thing. Jesus is the realest human to ever live. Last week, we talked about Jesus taunting death in the lead up to this this story about Lazarus. And I asked if, if that matches your vision of who Jesus is. Does that match your vision of Jesus? And the same question can be asked here. Jesus is alive. But I think sometimes we have this portrait of Jesus who's up in heaven sort of rolling his eyes at you because you can't stop crying about a loved one who passed away. He's grumpily wondering when we'll stop being a baby about lives cut short, broken relationships, lost dreams, kids moving out of the house, etc. That is not Jesus. That's not the portrait of Jesus that we have here. Isaiah 53 tells us that Jesus is acquainted with grief. He's acquainted with our grief. Sometimes culture shows or says that showing emotion is weak. So as last week, uh, the Timberwolves, the, the NBA basketball team from Minnesota that has tortured us for decades, um, won a game um, to advance to the playoffs. And they won just a play-in game and they made it. And then they won yesterday, which is lovely. But, but they won this game and a bunch of the players showed a ton of emotion about it. And they just got ripped apart on the internet. Like, it, like, oh, pretend like you've been there. Well, they haven't been there. That's the point. 
one of the players, Patrick Beverly, was really excited about the win. And he like jumped up on the scorer's table and they're all running around all hyped up. And people were all up in arms about it. But we, they just need something to talk about. But we may be tempted to do the same thing with Jesus, though. We may be tempted, if Jesus shows emotions like this, to, to, to gloss over it and to say, that's weakness. We can't do that. This doesn't make Jesus weak, however. Do you see Jesus as unemotional and detached from what you're going through? The Bible tells us that if you are in Christ, if you've trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, then you are a son and daughter of God. That Jesus makes, that makes Jesus our older brother. But Jesus isn't like the older brother who wears the letterman jacket while you're kind of the nerdy kid who, he's he's the captain of the football team, the quarterback, and you walk out the door and he bumps, gives you a fist bump and says, I hope you can do something great too someday. That's not who Jesus is. Instead, Jesus, our eldest sibling, gives us everything that is rightfully his. All of his inheritance becomes our inheritance. Not because we did a good job or because we lived a good life or because we deserved it, but because we are joined to him. His reward becomes ours. Friends, Jesus knows us. He knows your name, yes. He knows your, every hair on your head, yes. But everything also that you're feeling, thinking, struggling with, burdened by, rejoicing in, in any given moment. (laughs) Jesus didn't lose sight of his friends in the wake of the death of their brother. Jesus, Jesus didn't lose sight of his friends in the wake of the death of their brother. And he doesn't lose sight of you. Jesus wants you to know him more, and he wants you to know that he knows you. Last thing that I'll say this morning is Jesus wants us to believe. Jesus wants us to believe that he is stronger than anything we can imagine. As Jesus approaches Lazarus' tomb, he commands that the stone be removed, right? He says, Take away the stone. And Martha objects. Right again, she she needs that root system to be driven deeper by what's about to happen, about the miracle that Jesus is going to perform in raising Lazarus from the dead. He needs, she needs this to happen so that she can see and believe that Jesus is stronger than anything that she can possibly imagine. She objects. I can imagine maybe, what does Jesus want? Why does he want that to happen? He's been dead four days. If he had gotten here earlier, he could have healed him. She can't yet conceive that Jesus is stronger and holds power over death. But she's going to see more of Jesus. And she's going to see that the resurrection and have a firsthand experience with it. Now, look at what Jesus does. He prays publicly. He prays for everyone present who witnesses what he's about to do. That they would believe. (laughs) This is it. Everything that Jesus is doing here is to establish faith and to deepen, strengthen faith. 
Jesus prays to the Father that they would believe that he is sent by the Father. It's about belief. It's about faith. Deep root systems that are genuinely believing that Jesus is stronger than anything that we can imagine, even death. Not just stronger like a strong guy. Not just stronger like a wild animal. Not stronger like the gravitational pull of the sun. Because guess what? Big animals and gravitational pulls of the sun and strong human beings also die. Death comes for them. But when death came for Jesus, it couldn't finish the job. It couldn't finish the job. He he walked up out of the grave. And know what? Jesus also doesn't pray that God would raise Lazarus. Jesus is God. He just, he's the word of God. He just speaks. He just says, Lazarus, come on out. And, and Lazarus walks out. Rather, Jesus wants belief to be sparked in people, in us. He knows you more intimately than you know yourself. He knows exactly what you need, even in these very moments. And we're told the effect in verse 45. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary, had seen what he did, believed in him. Jesus wants us to know that he is stronger than anything we can possibly imagine. Friends, Jesus Christ is stronger than death. And it's not a contest, by the way. He didn't just squeak this one out. He sent death into the grave. Now think about where we've started and where we've come. We started out by saying Jesus is real. And part of that reality is that Jesus wants us to know him. Don't don't leave this place thinking that Jesus Christ is somewhere distant and doesn't want to know you. And doesn't want you to know him. Don't walk out of this place thinking that he is inaccessible. That he is a king who reigns from way off, sending down edicts and writing new tax codes for you. That's not Jesus. Jesus Christ knows you more intimately than you know yourself or anyone ever on earth ever will. And Jesus is stronger than everything, including death. This is who Jesus is. Jesus tells us to believe in the real him. Maybe you're, you've heard people reading their Bible say, well, I don't think Jesus would just say this. Or maybe they say, I can't, I can't, I'm follow, I can't follow a Jesus who does X, Y, and Z. Friends, we often fall into the trap of speculating or questioning God's word. Jesus can speak for himself, and he does right here, right here in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation. From the beginning to the end. Jesus who has the power over death and the power to raise the dead. Jesus himself raised from the dead is exactly why we can trust what he says here in our Bibles. Some people object to the Bible. It's written by men or it's not properly preserved. But but Jesus is alive. 
And since he overcame death, that ensuring his word has been kept, preserved for generations, is well within his power, right? The Bible is how we know Jesus. Jesus wants us to know him, and he has given to us his word to know him. We don't know him through our experiences or our feelings. We know him through his word. We know Jesus by what he says and what he tells us is true about himself. And it all comes to us in the pages of Scripture. So, two questions for you as you go. First, does faith need to be established in you? That's a fancy way of saying, do you need to trust Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and stop relying on yourself and stop relying on your own energy and your hard work and your being kind to other people or whatever it is that you're trusting in to be made right with God. That's a fancy way of saying, that's a fancy way of saying, stop, run to Jesus. On the cross, he said, it is finished. There's nothing that you can add from it to it. There's nothing that you can subtract from it. It is all done. Everything that is needed for you to have eternal life in Jesus Christ comes through the person of Jesus Christ. You're in a Christian worship service, so you expect to hear me say that. You expect to hear me say something similar. You're familiar with the words, God loves you. God, God sent Jesus. Jesus died for you. Jesus is alive. You're familiar with those words, but if faith hasn't taken root in its infancy in you, then then you may not believe or think those things are a day-to-day reality for you. But friends, let me say this to you. If that's you this morning, God loves us so much that he sent his son into the world to die for us. Everyone in this room, born into sin, sinner by nature, sinner by choice, deserved hell, and death for all of eternity. And Jesus Christ stepped into our reality. The one who defines reality, the source of life himself, stepped into our world, lived a life perfectly in accordance with what God said we ought to do. Perfectly in accordance with God's law and he died in our place despite there being no spot or blemish on him. He died in our place so that we might be brought back to God. And then he walked out of the grave three days later in order that we might have the promise of the resurrection and eternal life in him. Stop stop trusting things that are not Jesus Christ. He's the only one who has ever defeated death. He's the only one who defeats it, and he did it for every single man, woman, boy, and girl in this room and across the globe who has ever lived for all of time. The second question is this. Maybe, that's you, maybe you've trusted Jesus. The question is, does your faith need to be deepened and strengthened? Don't fall into the trap of thinking that once you're in, you're good. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that, yeah, I did that, that's fine, and then move on. Jesus here in this passage shows us that he is is intent upon deepening and strengthening the faith of those who are his own. This is exactly what he's doing with Martha. From a, a woman who believed that Jesus could heal the sick to a woman who saw with her own eyes her 
her brother walk out of the grave and then saw later and bore witness to the fact that Jesus walked out of the grave and never died again. Jesus wants you to know him. He wants, he knows you. He knows what you're feeling. He knows what you're going through this morning. There are so many things that are probably happening inside of you this morning that you are, you're wondering how you're going to get through the next several days. But Jesus is using his word and his spirit to tell you, even in these moments, that he is stronger than it all. Whatever seeks to crush you in these moments, whatever seeks to overwhelm you over the course of the next 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours, 168 hours, whatever seeks to crush you from this point until the end of your life, Jesus is stronger than all of it. And you have the evidence in the fact that he walked out of the grave. His resurrection stands as proof that he is over everything. There is nothing so big that he cannot handle. And there is nothing so small that would escape his notice. Jesus wept. He sees you and he knows you. Friends, friends, Jesus is real. Jesus is alive. He knows you. He's made himself known. He is stronger than everything. He's stronger than death. In him is life. And he freely gives life. So may our root systems be watered by Jesus' words. For he, friends, is the resurrection and the life. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning. God, we thank you that you do not leave us to ourselves, but even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins, you made us alive together with Jesus Christ. And if that is not a reality for some folks here this morning, God, would you draw them to yourself? And would they believe in their hearts? Would they repent of their sin? Would they know that Jesus is stronger than anything and everything that he sees, even in this very moment, their hearts, their minds? That he feels along with them those things that would seek to crush them and yet longs for us to know that he is stronger than all of it. God, would we be encouraged that Jesus walks with us gently, leading us to deeper faith in him. God, would we see that he gives us everything we need in the moment we need it. God, would we see that he is infinitely worthy of our praise. That every waking moment, every, every day, every week, every month, every year, every decade, that our lives are designed to give him praise at every, every moment. God, so as we go from here, Would you cause us to be unable to think about anything other than the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power that is established through it? Would we not be, would we not be quick to forget that the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we gather here to celebrate today is the most pivotal, the most pivotal event in all of human history? 
There is nothing, nothing that even comes close the day that death was done away with. God, so we thank you for all of these things. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen.